1: Hey everybody. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing to plow through our top 10 prospects podcast series. Today, we're continuing on with the Kansas City Royals. And to do that, we're joined from Phoenix, Arizona by Bill Mitchell. Bill is a longtime correspondent at Baseball America, has done the Royals, as well as a number of other organizations for us at BA uh, for many, many years now. Bill, The Royals are an organization that obviously uh, had a great run in the middle of last decade, reached back-to-back World Series, won the 2015 World Series, but they haven't had a winning record since that 2015 season. They did take some steps forward last year going 74-88. and Where is this organization right now when you kind of look at where they are in the majors, what they have in the minors, and how it's all going to come together?
0: Thank you, Kyle. Uh, They seem to be doing things the right way as far as our farm system is concerned. When I first took over doing the Royals list about five years ago, I believe at the time they were the 29th ranked organization. Uh, I I had the Mariners, which was the 29th, and the, excuse me, the Royals was the 29th, and the Mariners was 30th. Both organizations have jumped up quite a bit, and I believe we have the Royals in the top five of organizations right now. Uh, they've they've made a lot of changes. Their pitching development has been very good, but now it's been surpassed by their hitting development program, which is uh, really, I don't want to call it revolutionary because they're doing a lot of things that other organizations are doing, but just the way they're doing it and the changes that they've made in some of their hitters, it's a good sign moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to dive deep into some of those changes that were made.
1: You mentioned the farm system has steadily been climbing last couple of years, and some of that is having very, very high draft picks. Bobby Witt was the number two overall pick in 2019. Asa Lacy, the number four overall pick in 2020. They had another top 10 pick in 2021. So a lot of it is the product of losing seasons, but you have to hit on those picks, and the early returns, especially in the case of Witt in particular, have been very, very promising. How do you kind of assess this organization in terms of what are its strengths and weaknesses? As you mentioned, this is one of the better farm systems in the game. What are the strengths of it right now? And where are some areas that maybe they could still use some improvement?
0: I believe the biggest strength right now is the depth. When I had to do 30 for the prospect handbook plus an additional 10, there were a lot of good players that I had to, a lot of good prospects that I had to leave off that, uh, there, you know, it it's it's a really deep organization, and again, they've uh, aligned the pitching and the hitting to both be strengths in the organization. So, uh, I think that's the biggest thing: just the depth, and you've got the star power at the top with wit. so uh, yeah, and potentially Melendez and Prado, and if he comes along, Ace Lacy also. So there is a depth, but yet it's there's there's top end talent at the at the top.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I remember there were a couple years when you would turn in your Royals list and by the time you got to number seven or eight, it was like, Ugh, this probably isn't going to be an everyday player. And, and realistically, the best case scenario is a bench piece, you know, fringe utility guy. And, and then by the time you got to 10, 11, 12, it was pretty clear you were talking about guys with very little chances of even becoming up and down guys. And now... You go through this list um, I mean you get into the 20s and there's guys where you can see outcomes where they have you know somewhat substantial big league careers whether it's you know three four years as a utility man I mean not all these guys are going to be starters but there's no question that the talent base has significantly improved but we do need to start with the signature player in this farm system and that is Bobby Witt Jr. As we mentioned he was the second overall pick in the 2019 draft behind Adley Rutschman and th- Fast forward to 2022, these were two players who were right in the thick of the race to be the number one overall prospect in baseball. Witt was our minor league player of the year last year here at Baseball America. First full season, double-A, triple-A, hit for average, hit for power, got on base, played great defense. It was anything and everything you wanted to see. And there are a lot of people in the game, high-level decision makers, who think that Bobby Witt Jr. is the best prospect in baseball. Ultimately, Adley Rutschman did get the edge at number one. Uh, But what is it about Bobby Witt Jr. that is so, so special?
0: Well, you look at the tools. There's potentially five plus tools and some being plus plus uh, and the ability to play a premium position at shortstop and the athleticism to move around the field if, if he needs to. Uh, and the fact that he comes from a baseball background, his father was an 18 year major league veteran, Uh, he won't be intimidated by going into a major league clubhouse when it's time.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the tools and we do need to start there. During the process where we reached out to evaluators throughout the game, just kind of getting their thoughts on who number one is, who number one should be. I mean, the tools that Bobby Wood Jr. possesses you kind of look at them and you're like, no way that that's, that's too rich. It's too crazy. But I mean, you will find people who think that he has two seventies and an 80 and then his power is a 60 with, you know, the hit is kind of the ultimate question, but between power, speed, arm defense, I mean, there are people out there who are throwing again, an 80, two seventies, and a 60 on the card.
0: That's interesting. I hadn't gotten any 80s yet, but uh, I have, when I did a scouting grades, I came up with 270s, both power and speed. Uh, and that's a rare combination to have that. The main question,
1: and one of the things that came up in our discussions with evaluators in terms of who should be number one was, and this is totally, absolutely normal considering he's a very, very young player who was in double and triple A last year, There are some holes in the swing and there are going to be some strikeouts that those will probably always be a part of his game. And one of the things that came up is there is a a strong confidence that he will make the requisite adjustments to close those holes. But as it is currently, his whiff rate is, is not particularly good. His chase rate is a little rough. So on the one hand, you see a guy who performed as well as he did and still has so much room to improve and you can really, really dream on it. Uh, On the other hand, those were some of the reasons that evaluators cited. And as we dove into the data, that kind of really did pop a little bit that maybe he goes a little bit behind Adley Rutschman and Julio Rodriguez, just because he has some holes that the other guys don't have. That said, there's a lot of confidence he'll make the adjustments to overcome them. What kind of hitter do you anticipate him being in terms of what what is the average going to look like? What are the strikeouts going to look like at maturity?
0: One thing to keep in mind is he played, it was really his first full, it was his first full minor league season. He had played part of rookie ball in 2020 spent 2021 at the alternate site, which he was facing big league and triple A and double A pitchers there. So it was quite a lesson, but still when he came into 2021 season, I think I mixed up my years there, but uh, you get the idea. 2021 season, he goes to double A. He hits well there. And then he goes to triple A and does just as well. And again, this is a kid in basically it was his first full minor league season. Uh, He has good barrel control uh, and I he does um, uh, he isn't aggressive with his swing so there probably will be swing and miss but I could see him being a consistent 270 280 hitter and with 30 home run 25 to 30 home runs a year in the big leagues and again being a plus defender or plus plus defender at shortstop uh, to me that's all that's an all-star for every year
1: one of the common comparisons is trevor story again that's a shortstop with a lot of power it's come in coors field but there's still some pretty big power production there really good defender has hit for averages in his best years and even though the strikeouts have been there we're still talking about a perennial all-star having seen bobby witt having done the work on bobby witt for for multiple years now is that a comparison that holds some water
0: for you i think it's a good comparison um it may be that he winds up being a little better hitter overall than story as far as cutting down on strikeouts. There's still improvements going to be made by Bobby Witt. Uh, I I truly believe that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that came up is that there are holes there, but he has the ability to overcome those holes and adjust. We talk about athleticism you talk about the makeup you talk about the maturity the other thing that we see especially in today's era is true superstars what they do on the field is first and foremost but you know personality plays a big part of it we live in a social media age we live in a 24-hour media world and uh, there's no question that having a certain personality can definitely raise your star profile Does he have the the personality to be a star? Because it seems like on paper, the leadership is there and the maturity is there. It seems like he really can be a true star both on and off the field.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, And again, you said on paper, everything seems to be there. I watched him a lot uh, in his rookie ball season in 2019. Uh, He was in the Arizona League the whole year. He missed uh, at various times he had to go off and get get awards so his playing time was uh intermittent and then that may may have been why he didn't put up the numbers that everybody expected in his rookie season but every time I saw him he was high-fiving his teammates he always has a big smile on his face when he's on and off the field in the dugout uh and just everything I hear he is a fantastic teammate and I I saw it I, I saw it every time that he was out on the field or just in the dugout not even in the game uh, greeting his teammates, encouraging them. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. If, do we put an 80 on his makeup, a 70? Take your pick.
1: Again, huge tools, great athleticism. It's all there. And I, I keep looking back at our notes and just keeps coming up you know, a, a better version of Trevor's Story. He's going to have to make some adjustments, but he can make them. There's going to be damage. There's going to be production. He plays a premium position. Uh, just, just a special young player and someone that really can be the face of the Royals franchise moving forward. Uh, Well, obviously they have that guy already in Salvador Perez, but Bobby Witt Jr. can be another face of the Royals franchise. And uh, you can never have too many up-the-middle superstars, and they have a real chance to have two of them. Bill, clear-cut, Bobby Witt Jr. is the number one prospect in this farm system. And as we've discussed, one of the top three prospects in baseball with, with an argument for number one. There are a lot of people who credibly believe that. After that, you have a group of players that are very, very different, both in terms of their profile and what their production was. Uh, Asa Lacey was the fourth overall pick the 2020 draft out of Texas A&M, left-hander with premium stuff, had struggled to throw strikes previously in his career, showed improved control during his four starts during the shortened 2020 season. A lot of people bought into it. This year, I really, really, really struggled to throw strikes throughout the season. And as a result, it was, it was kind of a lost year. And then you have two position players in Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, who really bounced back from what was a horrendous showing in 2019 in High Wilmington. You reported on some of the improvements they made at the alternate site in 2020. And it was clear very early on that these were two very, very different players than the guys we remembered. And both of them had its really two of the best seasons in the minor leagues, both finished among the minor league leaders in home runs while reaching triple A and hitting for decent averages. How did this group kind of stack up for you? And ultimately what led to the faith in Lacey, even though he walked more than seven batters per nine during the season?
0: I was, I spent a lot of time in the fall at surprise because both the Royals and Rangers who are based there, Uh, had a longer instructional league season so I was out there a lot even though it's a good 45 50 minute drive from my house I don't mind making that drive for good baseball Uh, and then also Lacey was in the fall league for I think three or four starts Uh, I had Lacey ranked pretty high coming out of the draft of course because he was one of the top picks and one of the pitchers that has uh, top of the rotation stuff and there aren't that many pitchers with top of the rotation stuff. I walked around a lot of scouts were, were covering the Royals because I was concerned. Do I put Lacey that high or do I pump the brakes a little bit on him? And I talked to different scouts and I said, am I going too high on Asa Lacey? And to a man, they all said, no, because he has top of the rotation stuff. He will figure it out. Um, I also spent some time talking to one of their pitching coordinators who worked with him quite a bit, both in season, and then during the fall. And he he explained to me some of the issues that Asa was lace <laughs> excuse Asa was having, and what they were doing to try to fix it. One interesting point he threw out, I'll just mention it, is that. Uh, he felt that sometimes Lacey didn't get strikes called because he has such good late movement on his pitches that less experienced umpires. And I don't want to disrespect any umpires out there. It's a tough job and I wouldn't want to have to do it, but he felt that a lot of umpires that are just still learning the trade would miss that the break on his and the movement late on his pitches. And he'd get some pitches called balls that maybe should have been strikes but regardless, um, again, I just felt, uh, and I kind of like I did last year with Prado, I was the high man on Prado when he was coming out of the pandemic season, uh, because I did a lot of research, I saw the changes he made, and I tried to convince uh, people outside baseball America that, uh, no, I, I don't give up on Prado yet. And uh, it turned out um, he, he had the season, actually, he'd have had a better season than anybody would have expected.
1: Yeah, it's a good no. point. We, we talk about Asa Lacy really struggling here in his first full season, uh, but you only need to look at two other guys in the system in Melendez and Prado to see examples of guys who struggled pretty badly and have come back and are, are now considered you know, potential franchise pieces for this organization. With that, I mean, it really is remarkable when you look at what they accomplished this year. MJ Melendez, as a catcher, led the minor leagues in home runs with 41 And Prado finished tied for second in the minor leagues with 36. Oh, by the way, Bobby Witt Jr. was fourth in the minors with 33. I think there's a sense that obviously we know for sure now that MJ Melendez and Nick Prado were not as bad as they looked at High Wilmington back in 2019. I remember talking to a scout about Prado specifically. Even then, he's like, I know the numbers aren't good, but there's something here. Don't give up on this. That said, I also feel somewhat safe saying I wouldn't expect these guys to hit 35 plus home runs in the major leagues like they did last year, although maybe I'm underselling them a little bit. What are these guys? Where are they? Cause I feel like it's pretty clear that they're, they're somewhere on the spectrum here. Um, clearly nowhere near as bad as they were at Wilmington, but obviously the majors are harder than double A AA and triple A. What is the outlook for these two players right now?
0: No, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, it's it, we're looking at a uh, we're looking out into the future and it's really hard to tell how they'll make that biggest jump, that jump to the big leagues. What impressed me most about Melendez and was not necessarily the 41 run home runs because we knew he had the power, but the way he cut down in the strikeout rate. He went from 40% in 2019 at uh, that was entire year at high A to almost less than half that uh 21 7.7 strikeouts in 2021 to make that big a change that means he was doing something right and i think that for bodes well for the future for him uh, prado i don't know that we ever looked at it. he was going to be a 30 home run guy it was like uh, you know maybe 20 home run guy uh, with uh, uh, gold glove caliber defense and a high average but uh, i think that surprised me even more that he had 36 home runs over two levels so the fact that they were able to do that you know it it makes me feel pretty good about their major league future with the caveat that it's real tough to hit in the major leagues and a lot of guys have gotten a triple a done well and then couldn't hit in the big leagues so uh we'll just have to wait and see on both of those uh, both of them
1: Yeah, across baseball, a lot of credit was given to the work uh, the Royals did as an organization with these two hitters specifically. It's a lot written and talked about how much the approaches improved really throughout the organization. And it led to guys like, I mean, even Bobby Witt taking the jump he did, Prado Melendez, but also some guys lower in the system that were guys that maybe weren't on radars before the year that people are talking about now. Two coaches in particular who deserve a lot of the credit are Keone Duren and Drew Saylor, who have uh, been kind of at the top of the organizational hitting chart in the minor leagues. And really both of them have drawn rave reviews for their work.
0: And it also, you also include Alex Zumwalt, who is the director of hitting performance who put together the the whole program. Uh, a lot of people have been involved and uh, they bought into it through the whole organization.
1: Yeah. And the results speak to that. And I know, overall it does feel like it really changes the royals long-term outlook because as you saw this team trying to get back to its winning ways uh, you saw the pitching they obviously went very very heavy on pitching in the 2018 draft and a lot of those guys are in the major leagues a couple of them made their debuts last year but you look at brady singer you look at daniel lynch those are the main two we saw jackson kowar come up Uh, he struggled a little bit but you add that to brad keller uh, yeah, there are pieces in place here on the pitching side. The question was, would the bats be there to join Sal Perez and Whit Merrifield? And after seeing Nicky Lopez improve offensively in the majors, then you add in the improvements from Prado and Melendez, Andrew Benintendi had a bit of a bounce back here. All of a sudden, things certainly look a little bit better. Bill, these were the clear-cut top four prospects in this organization. I feel like the five spot was up for grabs a little bit. How did you ultimately settle on Kowar, and what do you make of his really, really rough major league debut this year?
0: He had a good year at AAA. He, he pitched very well there. Uh, the biggest improvement he's made, it used to be he was looked at as a fastball changeup guy. And the curveball was below average, and that was going to be difficult to get through and you know, be a starting pitcher with that uh now it's improved the curveball has improved so much they're looking at it it could be a plus pitch in time uh he He lands it for strikes, and yeah, it, it gets good spin so if that curveball comes along, you're looking at a, you know, at least a good fourth or fifth starter, and maybe more um and especially building off that changeup. It's a 70 changeup and, uh, uh, but now he's got pitches to play off of it.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. He really, really uh, look, there's no sugarcoating it. It was a really rough go in the majors. Oh, uh, six with an 11.27 ERA, gave up a lot of hits. Strikeout to walk was not great, uh, but we do see a lot of guys really struggle their first hit in the majors. And, I do feel like it does get overlooked a little bit that he actually had, like you've mentioned a pretty good year in AAA considering the rabbit balls they are playing with there and some of the ballparks. Yeah. Again, he's, he, you know, his age 24 season. Uh, he turned 25 in October. So I, we'll see. We see a lot of times pitchers kind of find their stride in that 26 age range and, and maybe that'll be him. But I do think it's interesting that this seems like a guy, a lot of people were buying on the way up. He stumbled, people are kind of
0: jumping ship, but it, it might be premature. Well, when you look at Daniel Lynch, when he got called up to the big leagues, early on, and he was he was he was struggled a lot. As the season went on, uh, when he I, I think his second call he started pitching a lot better. Uh, was very effective then. Uh, I'll be interesting in to see what Lynch does this year if he starts out strong, uh, right uh, out of the gate in 2022. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Again, a lot a lot is riding on these young pitchers that they drafted again, mostly in 2018, but. Given some of the improvements on the offensive side of their system, if those two things can come together, then the Royals might be able to contend, and and then AL Central, that certainly is, is up for grabs after the White Sox. All right, Bill, we've talked about the depth of the system. I want to dive into it. First, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Welcome back to the Baseball America Prospects podcast. We are continuing to talk about the Royals system and all the talent that's there. And Bill Mitchell is here to help us break it down. Bill, we talked about the top four prospects in the system, uh, all of whom uh, we've talked about have a chance to be impacts everyday players on the Royals. Jackson Kowar uh, as well has shown some flashes, although he had that rough major league stint last year. But this isn't just a top-heavy system. There's a lot of depth here. One of the guys who's probably the most interesting depth piece, if you will, and there are some young high school pitchers. We saw him take the draft, Frank Mavicado and Ben Coderna. But someone that has certainly opened some eyes with his performance, just the numbers he's put up, he's really jumped both analytically and from a scout's perspective, is Vinny Pasquantino. He's uh, just a big, big physical dude who is going to hit balls hard and hit them a long way. It's big left-handed power out of 6'4", 245, and he had a really good year getting up to double-A last year. What do the Royals have here?
0: When I talk to scouts about him, and even going back to 2019 in his draft year, he was drafted in the 11th round, Uh, started his career in Burlington in the Appy league and then came to instruction league. That's when a lot of the scouts that I normally talk to got to see him. And I looked at him. He's just a big kind of ungainly guy. Uh, If you put 30 on his speed, that's generous. (laughs) Uh, You could maybe put 20 on it, but um, two different scouts who I trust very well said, but he can hit. And they said, he may not be a big prospect now, but keep an eye on him. He will hit. And in addition to buying in on, uh, on the Royals hitting development program, he made a lot of adjustments and he's very cerebral too. I've talked to him several times. I've interviewed him twice uh, for the Royals monthly organization report, very cerebral, uh, very well-spoken. He'll have a career as a broadcaster when he's done playing. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, he just knows how to hit. Uh, And with, the extra work that uh, the extra tools that the Royals have given him, he really broke out. He was not even on the top 30 a year ago. But and I think in my midseason report, I put him right at number 30 or something uh, right around there. But when I was putting down the uh, you know, coming up with the what my list was going to be for the prospect handbook and talking to the organization, talking to scouts. He wound up being a, a top 10 guy. And I see that I'm not the only one. I've seen other uh, top prospect lists that have him uh, in their top 10. So I just like to think maybe we were first.
1: Yeah, again, we talk about the big power, but it came with a 300 average and as many walks as strikeouts, 64 piece. So obviously, very, very encouraging. Anytime you have a guy with this much power who can hit for average and control the strike zone. He was a college guy who played half the year at high A when he was above the league average age. So we have to see what happens once he uh, continues to chase upper level pitching. But the first stint at double A was really, really promising. Bill, you talked about the depth of this system and how many quality players there are. How many guys were in the mix to, to make this top 10? Cause I feel like you can go down the list a little ways and there are guys who have arguments.
0: I believe if he hadn't gotten hurt, Alec Marsh, uh, and he wasn't hurt. He just had some arm fatigue uh, and only got six starts during the regular season. Uh, the Royals really like Alec Marsh. Uh, you should too, Kyle, because he's from your alma mater, ASU. Uh, but uh, his, he after the pandemic, he got a big velocity boost, even hitting up into triple digits. He really worked his lower half. And uh, uh, instead of uh, instead of doing a lot of pitching, he did more strength and core work. Uh, and that helped him during that time. Uh, he's, he also p- got more separation between his two breaking balls. It used to be when I'd talked to four corner scouts, they said, yeah, he's got one breaking ball. There were two, they just kind of blurred together. Now they're two separate pitches. So if uh, he can keep the arm healthy, uh, I could see him breaking out this year and, and being a top 10 prospect. Another guy that really probably should have been top 10, but we just ran out of space is Nick Lofton. Uh, he's um, uh, he sometimes gets compared to the type of player as Whit Merrifield. Uh, he should be able to play a lot of positions, very athletic, a shortstop out of Baylor, but uh, he can play anywhere in the infield. He could even I've heard her talk that he could go to the outfield if he needed to. Uh, those were two of the big ones uh, that, uh, really fell outside the top 10. Uh, if you look at another one, the guy that made the big jump last year was John Heasley, big right-hander from Oklahoma State, actually made it to the big leagues for a, a, a game or two. Uh, he's, uh, you know, early on he was looked as maybe more of a reliever or a swingman, but, you know, now we're looking at somebody who could be a at least a, a big, solid back end of the rotation starter. Yeah, I remember talking to
1: some evaluators during the year and, and they were putting everyday grades on Nick Lofton. And you're talking about Heasley being a, a potential back the rotation starter, which is backed up by the scouting reports. It's not often you get into you know, numbers 12, 13, 14 prospects, and it's guys that there's a fair degree of confidence will have you know, regular everyday type of roles in the major leagues. And it does speak to some of the depth the Royals have built as an organization. Bill, there's always guys in the 15 to 30 range who pop, guys who maybe aren't getting a lot of attention now. You mentioned Vinny Pasquantino as a guy you were intrigued by, and the breakout came. Who are some of the guys maybe in the back half of the system ranking or outside the 30 that have you really intrigued and we should keep an eye on for a breakout in
0: 2022? One player that I think could be interesting uh, left-handed pitcher. Uh, i gonna been re- trying to research him a little more. AJ Block. Uh, he was at Washington, uh, excuse me, Washington state uh, was drafted twice. I think once uh, out of high school and once after his junior year didn't sign. And then his senior year uh, and certainly he could have gone back to Washington state, but it was a year of the five year, dra- excuse me, the five round draft. So he signed for the $20,000 charge or bonus and had a really good first season, um, mostly at high A quad cities. Struck out 98 batters in 85 innings. Uh, He's a sinker slider guy with plus command and control. I think that's one to really keep an eye on right there. Yeah,
1: that's a good call. I got a lot of reviews on him as well as being someone that, uh, I mean, people think actually could have been a top 20 prospect and some thought even maybe even a borderline top 10. Uh, You look at a, big left-hander with fastball slider that he can kind of manipulate the shape and depth of and even the change I mean has a chance to be an average pitch according to what some people saw and oh by the way you know there's some control and command there for a big guy I mean there's there's stuff there's control there's a lot working for him and um, for the Royals to have gotten him as a a non-drafted free agent for uh, we don't know if he got the full twenty thousand dollar maximum but any dollar amount from $20,000 on down, he appears to have been an absolute steal.
0: Another player that uh, was outside the top 30 is one to watch for is Clay Dungan. Uh, he was a uh, ninth round senior sign. And I think he signed for a very low bonus uh, you know, to save money, but he just keeps hitting. Uh, he got the A this year uh, and uh, he's just a grinder, a baseball player. Uh, Maybe never more than a utility infielder uh, in talking to scouts. They don't think he could play shortstop on a regular basis. Maybe second base is his best position, but uh, it's the kind of guy that's going to find a role uh, in the big leagues. You know, it's funny you mentioned him.
1: Literally this morning I was on the phone with a front office official, not with the Royals, with another team. We were talking about a couple of different organizations and farm systems and he brought up the Royals as an organization that just keeps having all these guys who are just good ball players. And with the hitting instruction these guys have received over the last year, it's become this kind of really impressive group of players who are who are good ball players, who can defend, have good instincts, and can all hit. And Clay Dungan was the name he brought up of a guy that just is not someone on anyone's radar, but he used that as an example of good ball player, can hit, good approach can defend, like this guy's going to be in the major leagues. And he used him as an example of how the Royals have a lot of guys like that. And it's a testament to the scouting, testament to the player development. Obviously we have to see it translate to the major leagues, but um, it it does stick out to me how many guys the Royals have now, just because, and again, some of it is, is a product of finishing so low uh, in the standings, but they are, uh, you know, they've made the most of it, it seems like.
0: If I can go one uh, higher, uh, one guy that's ranked higher uh, to watch for is Michael Massey, another guy who will just play hit. He got hurt in college; it was at Illinois, had a back issue his sophomore year, and just never re- totally recovered from that. Even through his first two years in the Royals organization, uh, this year he was healthy for the first time, hit twenty-one home runs. That was more than his combined total of three years at uh, Illinois, and. He's got a solid approach to play. He's probably strictly second base only, uh, maybe could play third base, but uh, like some of the other people we've talked about, he's just going to plain hit.
1: Uh, we'll see what happens. But um, again, there's a lot of reason to be bullish on this organization. and We'll see if they're able to put it all together and, and get back on the winning track. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your insight as always.
0: Thank you for having
1: me. That will do it for another Baseball America Prospect podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody.